Uh, get your Bibles out and let's just kind of begin to go to the scripture and I want to talk because it just really jumped in my spirit all these last weeks that pastor's been saying you know this was the question you know what would happen if we all spoke in tongues if there was just this corporate resonating sound of people praying in the spirit uh, not only in churches but in you know our own personal times of prayer or if we all had times where we just gather so I love these prayer meetings that ask prayers doing the men's and the women's of prayer uh, it's just been amazing because you know we're a church that'll get in the room and pray in the spirit and so uh, you know I and I really think God is going to use that to shift this country shift the nation but then it also hit me I thought well Lord if we all just pray in tongues that way, what if we all became next level committed to the truth of scripture? Now we're living in a time right now when the culture is abandoning the word of God. Some of us are old enough in here and maybe, you know, if you're, I was born in the 60s, maybe the 60s and some of you even before, can even remember times when teachers referenced or uh, read scriptures in the public school system how many of you can remember that growing up you okay yeah so i'm not alone a lot of you can remember and then even when prayer was removed from the schools they they would still have over the intercom a time of silence but they used to pray in school they said the pledge of allegiance in school come on now and so the culture just slowly the devil is slowly just getting the culture away from scripture and I want to really hone in today on getting back in the Word of God. Now, there are, because there are so many things that would rob us and try to keep us out of the Bible. I, you know, I think about these crazy things called our, our cell phones. And they're supposed to make life easier. I think sometimes if we spent, if we had half the time on devices, we'd probably get more done. Think about that. I mean, you know, have you had it? your phone? You get a new phone, it takes you a week. I mean, you think, what a waste. I mean, you're there a week trying to program and figure it out and all of the stuff that happens. So it's supposed to make life easier. easier. Sometimes I look at it and think, for me, I don't know, it's more complicated. There's times when I'm home, I just want to put the thing in the other room and not look at it and be free from it. And, all. and by the way, that's a good thing to do sometimes. It's okay if they can't call you. And if you don't answer every text message in three minutes, they'll live. Believe me. They'll live. You just put the do not disturb or put it in the other room. You know, it's amazing t today. If you don't answer somebody's call right away, they call, you know, somebody else that knew somebody else and somebody else. I mean, people want your phone answered like in real time, in the moment. I mean, you can be in the grocery store with eight bags trying to load your car, your baby carrier, and, you know, it's snowing and pouring rain, and they, they were like, why didn't you answer that it's just crazy. It's crazy. So anyway, so well, enough of that. But let's go to Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. We're going to start there. And I want to read this passage of scripture and elaborate on it a little bit and just put a, a fresh, renewed hunger in your spirit for the scripture. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse one. Notice it says this. All. Somebody say all. All, all the commandments which I command. Notice they're not suggestions. Commandments. God still commands his people. All that I command you this day, you shall observe to do. That you may, number one, live. How many of you want to be alive and well? How many of you want to flourish? How many of you want to be healthy? 
How many of you want quality of life? He said, if you'll observe to do, you'll, be, you'll live. And watch the next one. Not only will you live, you'll multiply. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have 23 children. <laughs> Thank God. But it, it does also mean that God is going to multiply or increase you. He wants you to have influence. He wants to multiply your finances. God wa- Listen, God wants his people to have wealth. That's why, you know, the devil puts preachers up to tell you to stay poor and money's not important and don't be. No, we're not to be greedy for money, but if we're going to get anything done in this, if we're going to buy a building, it takes people that have resources. Amen. So not only will you live and multiply, and then he says you'll go in and possess. Somebody say possess. Possess the land. Well, what's that? Well, that means that's your assignment. That's your ability to um, advance the kingdom of God in whatever sphere of influence God has given you. So, you, what, you know, all of us have different assignments. Every one of us has a piece and a part to play in the advancement of God's kingdom, whether that be in your workplace, your family, your, your community, in the nation in some level. God has given every one of us an assignment. So we're supposed to be advancing the kingdom. But we can't do it. If we don't know or we can't observe or don't observe God's commandments that he has laid out. And every one of us is responsible to do it. And he said, you will observe to do. Look what he said, the rest part. In verse 2. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. He did it so he could humble you and prove you and know What was in your heart, whether you would, watch this, keep his commandments or no. So why did God lead them in the wilderness? To know if they would keep his commandments. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou didn't know or you didn't know what it was. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God does man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did your foot swell these forty years. And thou shalt also consider in thy heart that as a man chastens his son, so does the Lord chasten thee. Therefore thou shalt keep all the commandments of the Lord to walk in his ways and to fear or reverence him. Now let me say there are Several, just three main points that I think we can glean from this chapter or this passage of scripture. And the first is that every one of us, especially in this culture that is abandoning the word of God right now, even churches. Every one of us needs to make a point on a regular basis. And if we don't, come on, the devil will find more things for you to do than you have time to do. But we all have to make a point to spend quality time in God's word, knowing his word, memorizing his word, and make a committed effort to be in the Bible. And by the way, get a real Bible. Don't just depend on the apps. Praise God. I mean, there's just, I don't know. There's, I don't like highlighting with my finger on a screen. It just doesn't feel good. I, there's something about taking the old markers and marking and writing and doing and it's just that old-fashioned way a good pen come on markers I know bring your marker to church mark it up pastor says something and something resonated listen I take notes straight in my bible 
pastor will be preaching along. I'm like, mm, that's good. I'm going to write that down. I mean, the only thing I don't like is that the, the publishers don't make the margins big enough for us uh, <laughs> revelators to write properly. I wish they'd make them better, but that's okay. It's good, but we need get a real book. God doesn't have an app of remembrance. He has a book of remembrance. So there's something about... <laughs> There's a place for apps, but I think all of us need a real Bible, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But we have to make, this is what, so what God was telling Israel, that you will have to make a point to pay attention to his words, his commandments, and if you don't, listen, you can't obey them if you don't know what they are. And a lot of us, here's the thing, what we give you on a Sunday, or what you hear here and there once a week, that's not enough. Okay, the children of Israel couldn't collect manna once a week and then live off that. And that was the representation of the scripture. We need a feeding from heaven every single day. Can you say amen to that? So that's what, first of all, we glean that. The second thing that we glean from this passage, and this is really important to understand, is that God will allow you (laughs) to face things, go through things, to determine if you will stay on his word or not. Now, it doesn't mean God brings evil upon us. That's not it. But Jesus already said, in this world, you will have tribulation. There will be challenges. There will be things you'll go through. You will go through trials. Okay, there will be times you'll suffer a loss or you will um, have a struggle or maybe it'll seem like you're in a place of financial lack. That was the case with the children of Israel. He said, I allowed you to be hungry just enough so that I could prove to you I would feed you. And so God was telling them, I let you go through this wilderness to see if you would stay with me or if you would curse me, if you would stay true to what I've commanded you or would you deviate and go another direction. And this is what God was telling them here. So understand that God will allow us to go through things, not because God doesn't know what we'll do. God knows. He knows. But you don't always know what you'll do. And the devil doesn't always know what you'll do. And there's nothing that drives Satan more crazy than he brings an attack or some, maybe it's a series of attacks. Come on, we've been through some things from 2020 to 2022. We've been through a lot of, of, of things as a church, as a people, as, as believers. Some of you have had personal challenges, family challenges, health things. And, and so the, the devil will try to bring an onslaught and he wants to see if you'll stay with it and you'll stay with God's promises or not. That's exactly what he did to Job. Is Come on, Job used his own wife. Isn't that fair? Go ahead and curse God and die. Look at all of this that's happened to you. And, and you know, Job, really the book of Job, if you study it, and I don't want to sidetrack too much, it's really, um, it's really a, a story of man trying to depend on their own righteousness. And it never works anyway. But we do have to pursue God and live in righteousness. We can't make it to heaven on our own righteousness, but we do have a standard to obey his word. And so we want to prove, come on, there's nothing that drives the devil more berserk than he brings these things and attacks and things happen. And then you go, and you're still praising God. You're still quoting the word. You're still declaring the scripture. You're still going to church. You're still serving. And the devil's like, you know, that little emoji throws its hands up. He doesn't know what to do with that. And he said, and I'm going to, God said, when you go through it, 
You'll know on the other side of that battle whether you really serve God in your heart or you don't. And I'm telling you, there's no better feeling to come through something and come out on the other side of the fire praising God. And you still know that God heals, that God still delivers, that God will still supply for you. God still shows himself strong. And then the third part of this, and this is important as well, this is the kind of the third little thing you can glean from this, is that as people, we cannot, we have to understand this, especially in this current day where everything is available, is that we cannot, even though we might try, depend on natural solutions to mediate our problems. We can't depend on them. Now, I'm not saying don't take vitamins and eat right and all of that. Um, that's good. Those are good things to keep you healthy. You can't just live on potato chips from now on and expect to have a healthy body. doesn't work like that. But, at the, but then there's the other extreme where we can become so dependent on essential oils and all of this stuff. And there's loads of people that do all that, and it, it's, 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 not always, it's not always a dependable way. We have to make our soul dependence. Listen, King Asa tried that. He went to the doctors, trying to get the doctors to be his answer. And guess what? At the end of the day, he ended up dying because the Bible says he trusted in the physicians rather than God. And how do we get to the point where we can trust God more than the natural? And that same way with the banks. I mean, we're buying a building because you know what? We're going to trust God. We'll trust God. I'm not going to look for all the natural ways. We have natural things we have to do. But in the natural, I don't look at the natural. We're going to trust God and watch God come through. Amen. So those are the three important things. And without being in the word, and if we're not people who are really in this time digging our heels in because the devil is working overtime to take the word and faith out of people okay the barrage of stuff that comes through our phone on a regular basis <laughs> and will tell you exactly the opposite of what God has already said it will send a and as subtle it might be but it'll send the message that you know it will tell you the opposite of God's perspective and so all of us need that. Now think about this. The children of Israel went through this wilderness. Those were the three things that were the important message in there. But then you come over to Jesus in Matthew 4, and he is on his mount or the, uh, in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. And by the way, it was not just three temptations. The scripture says, if you read it, that he was 40 days and 40 nights tempted of Satan. He was in face-to-face -face combat with the devil for 40 solid days and 40 solid nights. Go read it in your Bible. It says being 40 days tempted of the devil. Jesus was out there combating Satan directly. Now, the scripture highlights three key ones because they're important to us. But one of the ones it highlights is Jesus, when the devil tried to get and make to make the stones to bread, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth. So, and he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8. That was what he was quoting. Now, the reason Jesus could do that is because he had the word in his spirit. So even though, and, and, and I heard Brother Copeland say this years ago, and it was so powerful. He said, if it wasn't a real temptation, we could, I mean, Jesus was tempted to comply with the devil. Otherwise, he wouldn't, it wasn't a temptation. 
Okay, I mean, there, how many of you know there are some foods people can't tempt you with? People cannot tempt me to eat hamburger helper. I'm like, just no. That was the worst meal my mother made growing up. I mean, it was cheap. It was kind of new back in the 70s. And it, all it was is, you know, some ground hamburger and some powder and some dry noodles. And they mixed it up and put water in it. And it was supposed to be dinner. And every time she'd say it was hamburger helper night, I mean, I'd gag before I got to the table. And I mean, I've heard they've improved them since then. I don't know. But it's just, you know, when your mind is ruined, your mind is ruined, right? And nobody could tempt me to eat it. So, because that's not something I like, but you know, you put a big old piece of chocolate cake and it's gooey and, you know, <laughs> or for Pastor Hank, a Whataburger on the way to Fort Worth. If you put, if you put that, that's a real temptation to the flesh, right? So these were things that tempted the devil. But what was amazing about Jesus, the word was so in his spirit. It was so deep and rooted in him that there was nothing, watch this, nothing Satan could throw at Jesus that he didn't go back and say, it's written, it's written, it's written, it's written. And I believe right now that God is raising up a culture of people, an army of people that I don't care what the media declares. I don't care what the, the culture that's trying to redefine marriage declares. It doesn't matter what the devil throws at us that tries to redefine the scriptures, twist the scriptures. There is a culture of people that are rising up that are going to dig their roots deep and stand with God's work. We're an army. So let me, so, yes, amen. So let me just say this. Now, so we have to understand the landscape of why I think this is so important at this time. We are living, the culture by and large is abandoning the scripture. I looked up a study, this was from 2020, this is just two years ago, that done by the Barna Group, they did a study on millennials and Gen Zers that only, watch this, I mean this was shocking to me, that only 28% of people in that category still consider the Bible God's word. Only 28%. So the majority now, of that age group have abandoned the Bible entirely. They have completely abandoned the scripture. And uh, I read another study, in fact, I didn't say this in the nine o'clock, that more of them believe now that, in fact, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. More of them don't believe anymore the golden rule. So they don't believe do to others as you would have others do to you. It's a vengeful culture. It's a get back at people culture, right? Violence is growing in the land. And so if there's an abandoning of the, of the Bible, and by the way, that same study went on to say that only, this was really shocking to me, that only 2% of that same group even have any kind of biblical worldview at all. 2%. Now you know what's going on in our colleges and our universities and our schools. They're trying to subvert this generation. So if, if the Bible, by and large, and the culture is being abandoned, then don't think that it's not going to try to make its way into the church. Believe me, the devil is doing everything to try to bring a, a, a culture of biblical abandonment right into the very pews and the seats of our church houses. That's how denominations that were once reforming became social clubs. 
And there's a lot of churches right now, in America especially, that are nothing more than a social club where you can go to a potluck, drink coffee and sit down and hear a nice little self-help thing and walk out the door. And they'll do it all in 15 minutes so as not to inconvenience your time. I'm telling you, people will put 40 hours into a work week and can only give 15 minutes on a weekend to God. I mean, there is a problem right now. You can't get enough Bible to make you say hello in 15 minutes. I'm like, come on, preacher, what are you saying? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't do the intro in 15 minutes. I don't know how. Amen. People are like, how long your church is? I don't know when God's done. I mean, we kind of have a time, but I'm just saying when God's done. I mean, I got one shot a week to feed the people, and we want to give them an appetizer, a steak, come on, some potatoes, some green beans, and finish it off with cake and ice cream. I don't want to just be done in 15 minutes so you can get out the door and spend the rest of your week in secular sewage. Hey. That's secular sewage. That's too. There's a lot of it out there. Now, okay, so here's how this creeps into the church. And I want to say this because we have to have this awareness, this understanding that um, the, the devil, he's crafty, you know. And he works very, very hard. Not one of us probably listening to me, me today is like, oh, no, you know, I don't care about reading the Bible. No, every one of us, we love this. We're, we've got big Bibles in our lap today. You know, we're committed. We're tongue-talking Christians, prophetic people, okay? We know the word, but the devil wants to slowly get the word out of you. So think about it for a minute. Here, here's how this biblical abandoning comes into the church. It, it's, it creeps, you know, and it comes, first of all, if the devil can keep you from reading your Bible. Now I'm going to tell on myself. Um, everybody that knows me has heard me say at one point or another, I'm not a huge morning person. And so, I mean, I love mornings. I just don't like to talk a lot. And, you know, it takes me a little bit. I need a, little, a pot of coffee first. But so I come, you know, I come in the morning out to the living room and, you know, the dog's like, <laughs> and this is like, Ugh, go outside with daddy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I get in there and, and I think, I tell myself, all right, let's just, here, here it starts. Let's just scroll. Let's scroll. Okay, let's see. Okay, settings, weather, weather, weather. Let's check the weather. Uh, I'm just going to do this for about five minutes while the coffee's brewing. Oh, and then there's a new dark. Oh, notification. Okay. And, oh, email. Oh, I better check my Facebook, see who liked my post last night. <laughs> and while we're at it, let's go to Instagram and... Um, oh, I got notifications on the YouTube app. And then, okay, I'm going to start. And my Bible, you know, sits on the arm of my chair in the morning. And then you think, I'll just drink one cup of coffee while I scroll the shopping site. Because I got to notice that the sale ends in three hours. And I, I need, come on, don't look at me like I'm the only sinner in the room. I, I, we're all up against the same fight right here. You know, these devices, they've got a message to tell. And the news has a message to tell. I mean, nothing can wait till later. And you think, if I don't get to this and do this now, and then before you know it, your few minutes of just scrolling while the coffee is, you finish your second cup and now you're answering emails. This is, the devil is using everything 
without us thinking we won't notice, and sometimes we don't, thinking we won't notice to keep us anywhere but here. And so he'll keep us so busy. I mean, a lot of believers really know it. They don't know the Bible. Only maybe enough to just be a little dangerous with it online. And that's where you see all of these arguments come from and these threads and people fight the scriptures. It's just ridiculous. It goes on and on and on with half-baked truth to pulled out of context and every, every other imaginable thing. The second part is he wants to keep you from reading your Bible. Secondly is studying and deeply studying your Bible. Now, if you're not a studier of the word, I encourage you to be. Set time. I get these little things now from Microsoft. It's this Microsoft Viva that comes up and tells me, okay, you read this many emails this week. I'm like, I don't know if I like you in my phone, but you read this many emails. You forgot to respond to. How many of you have that? And you're supposed to do all this little stuff that it tells you you're supposed to do. I promise you, I promise you, the Internet's a liberal. It's never going to tell you. Make sure you read your Bible. (laughs) It's not going to tell you. It's not going to tell you to do it. And so you're going to have to set the time not only to read the Bible, but be a student of the Scripture. The Bible says study, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself. Come on, study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that shouldn't be ashamed. Well, that word ashamed, I'm rightly dividing the word of truth, that word ashamed right there is that when you come up against the trial, if you don't have any word in you, it's like going to warfare without a gun. Okay, don't go to the foxholes and not know. I mean, think about these, our officers, officers stuck sitting over there in the corner. I mean, they wouldn't go on duty, out on duty, and not know how to handle a firearm. That's the way a lot of people in the church live. We don't know how to handle the scripture. So we're fumbling through pages in a frantic mess because we come up against a battle. So study to show yourself. And you know, it is not hard to study the Bible now. You can Google. I'm going to help you. You can Google scriptures on faith and up it comes. This is, I mean, it was hard. Back in our day, we had to just, we had to read three chapters to pull these verses out. Thank God for people like Brother Hagin and Brother Copeland that helped us. But the fact of the matter is, is get out there and learn how to study the Bible. And the reason I say that is I run into more and more people now than ever I have in the ministry that will say, well, I just don't, I don't know how to read the Bible. And they've been in our church for a long time. And I'm thinking, well, can you just read the scriptures pastor gave you on Sunday? You would start with that. Read a psalm, for goodness sake. Read a proverb. I mean, proverbs will kick your butt. (laughs) And so learn how to be a student of the word. Get different. And and while I'm saying that, I want to make a point about that. Because it is very important. Because I really feel like the devil is doing everything he can to take the Bible out of people. Be careful. And, and I'm not saying you have to go read the King James. I, I'm a King James person. I, re, I memorized all my verses in the King James because that's where I grew up. And so I'm not saying you have to be a King James person. But just be a little bit careful, too, as you are learning to study or if you're studying the Bible, some of these new trendy, I don't know what you call them, the new trendy translations now. Do you know a lot, and some of you know this, you've been around for a while, but some of the the, the 
the way certain Bible translations were translated was designed after certain, the, how do I say it, the writer's own disposition on the matter. So sometimes it deviates away. I'm not saying you can't read the message or your passion translation, but there's some looseness out there. We need to be careful. So something I do is I do use my apps to go and I take my good old King James. You can get the new King James. It takes some of the thieves and the thous and the, you know, some of the Elizabethan English out of it. But, and, and go in and compare notes. Take the time to get an, your, that's where you can use the apps. Get your Bible and then compare it with other translations and make sure you know and understand what the writer was trying to say. I'm going to give you a great example. I hope I don't blow your theology, but we often quote the scripture now. 2 Corinthians 10.4. How many of you know what it says? For the what? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, we quote that as a spiritual warfare verse. And I'm not saying it can't be used as that. But if you read the whole context, the whole chapter of what the apostle... I'm going to wreck you right now. But I'm going to tell you, you go home and you study it if I'm not telling you the truth. The whole chapter there, Paul was talking about his apostolic governance over the church at Corinth. And they were misbehaving. And he said, if you read it in the Greek, the weapons of our warfare, that word warfare is apostolic career. The weapons of our apostolic authority are not carnal as some people keep saying. Hmm, I know I wrecked you. But I promise you, you'll go home, study it. You'll know I'm telling you the truth. And he goes on later in the chapter and said, if you, this is the Brenda, the Brenda summary. If you don't buck up, if you don't buck up, I'm going to come and I'm going to use sharpness, church. And I'm going to bring a correction to the house. That was what he was teaching. We need to study our Bible. Don't just take our word for it. Don't just take everything. And, and, you know, it's okay. We don't say everything right. All of us are growing. We're progressing in our understanding. But the point is, is be a student of God's word. Study it. Chew on it. Look at the verses in three translations. Get the whole of the letter of what the apostle Paul was saying. Come on, somebody. And understand the why. These were letters. The epistles were letters written to people. So not everything is pull out a verse here and pull out a verse there. Sometimes we got to get the whole of the letter. Amen. I know y'all are looking at me like she destroyed my 2 Corinthians 10 4. All right. You can make it a spit. The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. We know that because there's other scriptures that do base that, that do support that. But I'm saying the context. So study. Touch yourself. Say, I'm going to be a student of the scriptures. Amen. And the devil will do anything to get you to do that. I mean, to get you out of that. He doesn't want that. All right, here's another one. Turn to James, the first chapter. James chapter 1. Verse 21. This is the other way the Bible is, or the devil is trying to get the Bible out of churches now. Is being hearers and not doers. That means... You come in and hear the pastor preach a message on life and death are in the power of the tongue and whatever we love, we'll eat the fruit of. And we think, oh man, yeah, I got to speak right. And then walk right out in the parking lot and go, honey, I don't know how we're going to make it. The gas tank is on empty. We have to be doers 
of the scripture. And I'm going to tell you, it's probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do is to take a truth from God's word and determine, I don't care what the devil throws my way, I will walk in what God has said. And I will hold on to it in faith and not let go. It'll be the biggest test of your Christian life. Verse 21 of James says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, all, not some, all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Now there's a King James phrase. It just means continued wickedness. See, that's why you study multiple translations. Superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted or planted word. That word should be so deeply rooted in your heart that the, the devil can't take it out. It ought to be like automatic to do what you've learned, to be a doer. It ought to be, if the word is so, and I promise you, if you'll spend that time studying it and you'll be regular about it and you'll be committed to it every single day of your life, if you will make that time, it'll be your automatic response when you're in trouble. You'll be a doer. Okay, when, when a temptation to sin comes, you'll do it. The Bible says walk in the spirit. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you spend the week doing spiritual things, your flesh gets tempted. You say, ah, oh, no. Mm -mm. I'm not tempted. I'm not doing that. I will not post that. I'm not going to write that. I'm not going to call that person and be mad. No, I'm not doing it. I'm going to follow the scripture. Amen. And believe me, we could use some discipline on social media. I promise you that. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. See, if we're not doers of the word, we deceive ourselves. We don't even need help from the devil. Deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer and not a doer, he's like unto a man who looks his natural face in the glass. For he sees himself and then goes his own way. And straightway or immediately forgets what person he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein and is not a forgetful hearer. You ought to highlight that. But a doer of the work. Here's how the blessing comes. Wait for it. This man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, he'll be blessed in everything he does or she does. How many of you want to walk in God's blessing? I promise you, be a doer of the scripture. And don't just pick and choose which ones you want to do. <laughs> I've learned. I remember the first time when I just first got saved, I thought, God, i got to read the Bible. I knew, you know, we had the fathers of the faith that taught us. And I was just 15 years old. And I thought, well, I'm so I was living at my parents' house. And I didn't really know what to go read at that time. I was just new. And I thought, well, I'm going to check out this book of James. And I'm sitting on the patio in the lawn chair. And I got done reading it. And I said, God, that was terrible. That is, I didn't like that. I didn't like reading any of it. God, it's, it's, just, it's harsh. It was hard to read. It was hard. And I've learned a long time ago, we cannot pick and choose what verses we like. There's bless me scriptures. Right, And then there's an equal amount of correct me scriptures. A good Christian needs both. We need both. We need a good healthy balance of the two. If you live in bless me, you'll just think anything goes. That's how you get preachers that once preached about heaven and hell suddenly preach there's no literal hell and everybody's going to heaven. And because they got so focused on the bless me and the greasy grace and oh God, just love everybody and God's not mad at you. No, God's not mad at you, but he's also a father. and He'll spank your behind if he needs to. 
Okay, so there's a balance we have to have. It's not just all bless me, bless me, bless me. We also have scriptures in Isaiah 5 that said hell has opened wide its mouth. Oh, don't. (laughs) Hell has a wide mouth. The Bible says that. So if you get so focused on the bless me, you'll get soft and careless. But if you, fo- if you focus on all the correct me, because there's people like that too, and then that's how you become a Pharisee. So we need, come on, we need a balance of the two. We have to. And right now there is a lot of deception that's going on online. There's a lot of deception in the world. There's a lot out there. Jesus said the one the one epidemic that would be marked the last days is that the devil would deceive people. So if there's deception on the loose, come on, get your deception guard out and get in the word. The Bible says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart because they will be life to those that find them. And by the way, it'll be health to all their flesh. So we need, we are in a culture of biblical abandonment. And if we don't stand up as God's people and get ourselves in the scripture day and night and night and day, the devil is going to eat us for lunch. And I'm going to announce to you, we are not going to let that happen. Hallelujah. All right. And there's other ways the devil can, you know, pull the word out of our heart, you know, manipulate, twist scripture. We've seen a lot of that. People twist the word to say things that it doesn't say. I mean, it's amazing. I hear people, I heard one person say, oh, you know, the Bible says that Jesus has a banner on his thigh. That means Jesus has a tattoo. (laughs) On his thigh is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He doesn't have Jesus have a tattoo. It's a banner that is written. He wears it on his outfit, but he is not a tattoo artist. Don't make the Bible say what we culturally want it to say. We have to be careful of that in this time. People are doing, that's how preachers are marrying homosexuals in the church. Because they twisted something in the word and all the scriptures on homosexuality somehow don't apply. We have to be very careful. Let's look at Mark the fourth chapter for about five minutes. I want to show you a couple things. Am I helping you today? I'm determined. When the devil sees me coming, he'll go, there comes that crazy lady with a mouth of sword. By the way, the name Brenda means a sword. So I'm like, I want to live up to it. I want to live up to having the sword of the word in my mouth. We have to be more disciplined. I I grew up in the, how many of you grew up in the word movement in the 80s? I mean, I grew up in that movement. I mean, people came to church. You were not allowed to have a bad confession came from your mouth. I mean, now we just let anything fly. Oh, my back and my legs. Oh, they've been swollen all week. And we just talk terrible. Back then, you came to church. You didn't say anything negative. Somebody would slap you. <laughs> say, don't you dare. That's a terrible confession. Do you want to die early? Stop. <laughs> we had word pillows, word nightlights, word t-shirts. The word, the word, the word. I mean, you know, everybody, I mean, you walked, you better, you walked in church quoting scripture. You better quote scripture. You had to keep up with the next guy that sat in the pew beside you that knew more word than you did. And we've kind of lost that a little. Not all of us, but you can't live on yesterday's understanding. 
we better get it fresh because you know what? The devil's more on the loose now than he was then. There's more coming at us now than there was then. We better know the word better than the devil. Because the devil knows the Bible, by the way. If that's not a newsflash for you, he knows where it's written. He can quote it. He can probably quote it better than you. I think we ought to bring back the, I don't know, 242. Do I have any 242 people in here? I think we ought to bring back some. We used to do those when I was in Christian high school. We did those sword drills. How many of you know what those are? Anybody not know what a sword drill is? Okay, so the sword drill was when we were in school, you had to know where stuff was on the real page. See, that's the other problem with the app. You can just scroll till you find it. But if you get a real Bible with no, now mine has these little indexes. Somebody gave me this. But we weren't even allowed to have the indexes, none of that. You had to know, you had to know what order the, the, the books of the Bible were in. And the sword drill was is the teacher would get up and say a passage. And whoever could turn to it first and stand up and read it would win the, the point. And that was sword drilling. Now, I'm not saying we have to do that. I mean, we had Bibles, man. We worked them in. And, you know, it was a competition to see who knew how to get to the Scripture. But you know what I think we ought to bring back is competitions on memorizing the Scripture. We had to memorize the Bible when I grew up. I mean, we sat there. We had to know Psalm 91 and quote it from start to finish. Isaiah 53, we had to know it from start to finish and be able to stand up in front of the school class and say the whole verse. Say, Pastor Brenda, is there any value to memorizing the Bible? Yes, because when you come under attack and you come up against something, all of a sudden, guess what's going to roll out of you? Amen? What's going to roll out of you is the word of God. When sickness tries to attack your body, you'll quote Isaiah 53, that by his stripes we are healed. You'll quote the scriptures that you have memorized. And I believe that when we begin to re-memorize and get these things in our heart, we will be a threat to Satan. A lot of the church isn't a threat anymore. Because if you ask people, do you know where that is? They don't know. That's a scary place. And that is in charismatic churches. Amen. Come on, veterans. It's time to start mentoring another generation of people that know how to wield the sword of God's word. Amen. All right. Now I want to look at something very, very quickly for a few more minutes. I didn't have time to talk about this in the nine o'clock. Mark the fourth chapter. Jesus said a couple powerful things here. He said unto them, verse 13... Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? In other words, if you don't understand this one principle, you will not understand the whole kingdom. But if you understand this principle, you will have an understanding of the whole principle of all the kingdom of God. Now think about this. That's intriguing to me. This scripture has always intrigued me so much because, and Jesus goes on to talk about the parable of the sower or the sowing the seed of the word. And if you know it or you've studied it, you may have studied it with, when it relates to tithes and offerings. Maybe you've studied it when it comes to um, you believe in God for something where you need a breakthrough or a miracle. And that applies, but it, where it really applies is are we allowing the seed of the word to go in and work in our spirit until it bears fruit? There's, it's one thing to hear us talk on a Sunday or to hear somebody preach a message, but do you ever take it from that seed moment 
Because right now, today, this is only a seed for you. What I'm saying is a seed. This is just, I'm planting something in your heart to do. When pastor's preaching on praying in tongues and we need to do, he's planting a seed. It's what we do with it later. Are you listening to me? It's what we do with it when we walk out the door. Do we ever bring it to the fruit-bearing point? And this is what Jesus was talking about. In fact, let me pause and say this part. Jesus, when, how many of you remember the story when the disciples couldn't cast the demon out? This is Matthew chapter 17. And they couldn't cast the demon out of the young demon-possessed boy. And now here's what you have to understand. Jesus, he expected them to be able to do that, to perform that miracle. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all that were sick. And then he did the same thing with the 70. He he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast evil spirits out. In fact, it was the 70 that came back to him in Luke the 10th chapter and said, wow, Lord, the devils are even subject to us in your name. So he expected them when that little demon-possessed boy was laid out before them because he said the father said in Matthew 17, he said, we brought this little child to to your disciples For them to cast him out. Now, they must have known that the disciples were effectively casting out demons and healing the sick. Or they wouldn't have thought to bring the boy to the disciples in the first place. Are you tracking with me? And they couldn't cast it out. And they said, we brought it to your disciples. They couldn't cast him out. And Jesus was a little upset. He expected them to be able to do that. He expected them. To be able to cast the demon out. And they came to him privately. Now realize Jesus had just taught them this principle on the parable of the sower. He had taught them the principle of when you apply the word and you bring it to the fruit bearing stage. He taught them that. So he expected them to do it. They said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast the demon out? And he said, because of your unbelief. For if you would have faith as a grain of mustard. Now, let me just undo a teaching here for a moment. Am I helping you today? People say all the time, and I hear them. See, Jesus just said, if you just had a mustard seed, you just need a little faith. If you just had a little faith, you just need a little bit of faith. And there's whole songs that get written. Yeah, a little bit of faith. Whole memes get made. Just a little bit of faith can move a mountain. Jesus wasn't saying a little bit of faith. You start with a little faith. He said, if you'll have faith like a grain. Well, what does a grain do? Okay, it's not, we live in Nebraska. This is corn country. It's not good enough for me to have a kernel of corn for dinner. I don't like you pluck that one kernel off. Because all I need is a little bit of corn. That'll be enough. All I need is just that little tiny bit. No, no, that, that corn is a seed. That kernel is a seed. A seed should go in the ground and begin to produce a harvest. And Jesus said, you have unbelief because you didn't bring the word, the seed of the word, all the way to fruition until there was a breakthrough, until there was a miracle, until there was a blessing. You have to grow your faith. Now, that's... This is important because when Jesus, this is what he was teaching them when he taught on the parable of the sower. That you put the word in your heart and you work that seed until it produces fruit. 
Mark the four, uh, verse 13. Know you not this parable? How then will you know every parable? For the sower sows the word or the promise, the scripture. God, the Bible says that Jesus is the sower and he sows the word in our heart. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes that word that was sown in their heart. Now, I used to read that a lot this way, that you'll get a word, you'll be excited about it, and Satan might come and do something to disrupt it and steal that from you. But really, this group right here are the people that reject it immediately. Okay? It says, these are they that were sown, and Satan comes immediately. These are the people that are like, eh, I've heard that. Or I don't agree with that. By the way, don't be the disagreeable crowd all the time. Can I help you? This is a disagreeable culture. It's always looking for the wrong in, everybody, in everything and everybody. Be like the Bereans. I don't understand that. I've never heard that before. But you know what? I am going to go back and study that out. Don't be the rejectors. That's what the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were the people that Satan came immediately and took the word. They wouldn't receive because they knew everything. Right? We know a lot today. So they knew it. And they didn't receive the word that came. And so the Pharisees always had a criticism of Jesus. They always had a criticism of his word. And he takes it immediately out of their heart. The whole premise here is to show that some people will just reject it. Don't be that. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which were sown on stony ground who when they have heard... They immediately receive it. And by the way, sometimes we don't receive the word because we had something in our life that maybe it didn't happen the way we thought. And so now it's like, eh, I don't want to hear that now. Be careful. Don't be that person. Be teachable. Be pliable in your life. Be open to God. There's always a process. There were things I didn't believe back in the day. People have done this all day with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. Well, Get around some people that do, and you might learn something. Don't just go listen to the preacher that tells you it's of the devil or it passed away. Yeah, that, that's what you'll believe. But be an open studier of the scripture. Be open to things that sometimes are hard to hear, right? Because some things are going to be hard to hear. <laughs> believe me. Yeah, oh God. These are they by the wayside, where, oh, I'm sorry, these are they that likewise are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word, now this is the word of faith group right here, immediately get excited and they receive it with gladness. In other words, they're happy to hear it. They want to hear the word. They love preaching. They want to, but then they don't do anything with it. So when Pastor Hank tells you, you need to spend time praying in tongues, be a doer of it. Don't then become frustrated because I promise you, the Satan will go after that word that you got excited about. You raised your hands on a Sunday. You heard it. You thought, oh, yeah, that's for me. That's from God. I needed that word. Oh, man, you walk out in the Connect Cafe. That was such a good word. Pastor, preach a good word today. And then don't go do it to the fruit-bearing point. I promise you, the devil has got an attack against that word. He's just waiting. And, and you know what breaks my heart? What breaks my heart as a pastor in the ministry is how many people have struggled to find answers and breakthroughs and miracles. And he says here, when per affliction and persecution comes because you've got that word, Satan's attacking you because of it. 
because of that word. Then suddenly they got offended because, well, God, you didn't come through. I quoted the Bible. I quoted the word. How come I didn't see the answer to prayer that I was praying for? It's 2022, the year for you. God, you said you do things for us. Well, we're going to have to work that word. And you can't just do it when you're in a trial. You're going to have to hold on to it and build a root system in the scripture. And I promise you right now, we need oak tree, maple tree, big tree, root systems in God's word. Because the devil is seeking every single day how to take that word out of your heart. I mean, it warns me when I read scriptures like in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. Or people that said, but Lord, how can you send us away to hell when we prophesied in your name? I mean, those scriptures frighten me. I read those scriptures, I mean, that because they didn't bear fruit. They got offended when it didn't work out their way. And, you know, people go and shake their fist at God. So this is, it says, when affliction or persecution came, in other words, they endured for a little while, verse 17. But when affliction came or persecution arises for the word's sake, they get offended. And they get frustrated and they quit going to church and they don't believe that anymore and so on it goes. And verse 18, and these are those that are sown on thorns such as, and here is, this is the huge one I talked about a little while ago. They hear the word and the cares of this world. I'm telling you, if there's a lot of things to care about, we have it now. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches, and that doesn't mean just because you're wealthy and you're caught up in your wealth. You know, some people, they workaholic themselves to make money and never have time for God. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things, they enter in and choke the word. And what does it say there at the bottom? It does what? It becomes unfruitful. In other words, they, it never came to the fruit-bearing stage. And I told God something. I said, Lord, I want to be the type of Christian that, that I'm, I'm so much sowing and watering and working that word in my heart that I will come to a fruit-bearing over everything that is put before me. I want to bear fruit when it comes to tithing. I want to bear, come on, I want to be the person that lives with the devourer rebuked around me because I worked the ground. I want to be the person that stands strong in divine healing. Come on, if we need a revival of anything, it's divine healing right now. So many people are disillusioned, discouraged, put down. They're afraid. They're afraid of COVID-19 and all of that. We need to bear fruit for divine healing in a fresh way. And I believe that's how, listen, how do you think Oral Roberts and R.W. Shambach, it wasn't just that it was a sovereign thing. We think that all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit blew this movement on the world. No, they had faith for it. They worked their faith for it. How do we think new revival of signs and wonders is going to come? It's you and me. We're going to bear fruit and let the word grow up to full fruit in our life. All right, let me give you one more. If they would come. I want to give you just one more principle. So they got busy, cares of this world, lusts of other things entered in and choke the word. Your phone will choke the word, by the way. It'll choke it. And it becomes unfruitful. Or I could say it in the Brenda version. It becomes a lack of answered prayer. And these are those which were sown on good ground. Somebody say good ground. 
such as hear. Now, by the way, that word hear there, it means, it means not just to listen like you're listening to a sermon. It means to listen like you're going to grab it. Okay, have you ever seen a little kid, if you tell him in the store, my, you know, the boys were little, I would say, okay, you can have one candy at the checkout, one. And they would grab the candy, like, I mean, you know, or they grab the lollipop or the ice cream cone. It's like, take it like a child. They hear it with excitement and receive it. In other words, with maturity, they take it in their spirit. And the ultimate result is they bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 16. Now, 30-fold isn't bad, by the way. 30-fold just means that you're going to have different levels of building the fruit if you'll stay in the Scripture. Some 30, some 60, and some 100. Now, I don't have time to teach the rest of all this, but here's what I want you to do. Go home and study the rest of this all the way up to verse 34. And Jesus talks about what it looks like to bear fruit when the seed of the word is sown in your life. It be, that's where the breakthroughs are. That's where the miracles are. We have to have a faith like a grain. We're going to have to grow it. Otherwise, in this current culture, we are prey to the devil of deception. And I'm not about to let that happen in my life. I want to be sharp as a tack. I mean, I see things on the internet that just astound me of people and they supposedly quote the Bible. And I'm like, God, we've got to have better than this. Okay, when you have churches where the pastor doesn't even open the Bible on a Sunday. We've turned church in many cases to social clubs. Get-togethers and barbecues and fried chicken. You know what I love about Lord of Hosts Church? We won't just come for fried chicken. We'll come for prayer. Come on, we're going to come to prophesy. We're going to come to put the word. And I want us to be, when people look at this church, I told Pastor Hank, I said, when people look at this church, I want them to see people that are balanced. Come on, we know how to, to, to receive correction in the scripture, but we know how to bless. We don't get caught up in weird doctrines and strange things. No, we know how to stay straight as an arrow on the scripture. You, we're not going to be easily deceived. We're not going to be deceived because we know the Bible and we've had it in our heart and we're going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. I want Lord of Hosts Church to be one of the most Bible knowledgeable, Bible quoting, come on somebody, Bible truth people where nothing the devil can try will get us off track. We're going to stay with what God said and observe to do it. Come on, can you stand up on your feet and say amen to that if you believe it? How many of you are hungry for that in your life? And it's the answer to prayer. It's how we get things done. It's how we have faith. And it's how we just put that sword. I mean, I just, I, I get no greater joy than to take that sword and quote it at Satan when he's trying to make me discouraged. How dare you, devil? Don't even come in here with that junk. I won't even receive it. The Bible says lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So I'm going to lift up my hands and that means I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to stand on the scripture. I'm going to stand on your word. Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Father, make this house, make this church such a church of the word of God, such a church of the scriptures, such a church of truth that we will know and we will stand and we will never alter our lips from the truth of what you've commanded. Lord, mold us, mold us. You're allowed to correct us through your word. You're allowed to bless us, teach us, and show us. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.